You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. So good to see all of you today. I'm excited about the Word this morning. You excited about the Word? We're going to have a great time. Listen, I want to encourage you. uh, This is actually week 10 of our series called Be Rich. But I want to really strongly encourage you, if you've missed any of the previous messages, please go back and listen to them online. And uh, because I don't want you to miss a single thing that we've covered. All of these have been building on each other and they all fit together. They dovetail together uh, perfectly um, just because it's the word of God. And also, let me say this. I would love to see everybody on Wednesday night. If you are available on Wednesday night, jump online with us for Bible study. We're having a great time. Listen, uh, especially if you need healing in your body or you know somebody that needs healing in their body, we have been talking about all of the 19 cases of healings in Jesus' ministry. And uh, we, there are 19 of them. We're on week 14. Well, we just finished week 14, and we're, uh, isn't that right, 14, I think? Yeah. So uh, we'll be moving into week 15. But listen, uh, those are very, very powerful because it helps you, helps build the capacity to believe God. Because here's what I know. What you see in the scriptures where Jesus did for people, he will do for you. The scripture says he is no uh, respecter of persons. One translation says he doesn't regard someone else uh, or someone above somebody else. What he did for one, he will do for all. And I'm grateful for that. So anyway, go check that out. We'd love to have you be a part of that. And uh, we do that every, every single week. And uh, all you have to do is just go to the homepage and click on it. And we'd love to have you be a part. But as I said, this is week number 10 in our series called Be Rich. Turn to somebody and tell them you need to be rich. Tell them this, say, I am rich and so are you. Now again, as I I have said every single week, this is not just about money. This is about every area of our lives being enriched by the goodness of God so that our lives can be a resource to where we can minister to other people. So let's look at our foundation scripture. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. This is what we've been basing this series on. And it says this, oh, by the way, if you did not receive a handout on your way in, hold them up. Linda's got some back there for you. If you need a pen, we'll get you a pen. All right, so you're good. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11 For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Now, let me dissect that verse for one second real quick. For it says, God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, He will provide and increase your resources. So how's he going to do it? He's going to do it by providing seed for you and then providing provision or bread to eat. And then verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And that's what we're after. We're after our lives becoming a resource in the hand of the Lord so that when we are able and in a position to help people, it causes God to be glorified. It causes Jesus to get the honor. You know, I don't, I'm not looking for attaboys and pats on the back. What I'm wanting people to do is to see Jesus in what we do and how we live our lives. How about you? All right, so let's get into this. I'm going to cover a couple of points that we talked about last week. How do we reap our harvest? Again, if you missed uh, the first portions of this, please go back and listen to it. But how do we reap our harvest? Well, the first step to reaping your harvest is to rightly discern your harvest. Now, this is based on the assumption that you've sown something. 
Okay, so uh, we're assuming in this message that you have sown. So if you have sown, then, then the Lord has promised a harvest to us. And so the first step to reaping your harvest is to rightly discern your harvest. So in doing that, there's three things that you need to discern when you're discerning harvest time. Number one, when your harvest is. When is your harvest? You'll know when is your harvest. Number two, you need to know where your harvest is. And then number three, you need to know how much your harvest is. So you need to know when your harvest is, where your harvest is, and how much your harvest is. Now somebody says, I, I don't know if this really applies. Well, the scripture tells us that uh, the kingdom of God operates like a farmer who plants seed. So these principles we can take from the natural because the natural and the spiritual in this application is very much the same. So my point is this, do you think a farmer, once he sows, knows when harvest is? Yeah, he can tell. Do you think he knows where his harvest is coming from? All right, yes, he does, because he knows where he has planted seed. Now, he doesn't look at the farmer, his, the crops growing in another man's yard or farm down the road. No, he's watching his own crops. He's watching his own harvest get ready. And then he can have a pretty good idea as to how much his harvest is going to be. And so, again, we said to you last week that a spiritual harvest is not discerned by looking at the natural. You cannot focus on natural circumstances. And what do I mean by that? I mean, when the economy's good, that means it's time to harvest. No, you can harvest even when the economy in the world is going downhill. Because you don't function in that system. What we're talking about is something that's totally separate from the world's system. Now, we looked at last week we, uh, a story where Peter almost missed out on his harvest. Do you remember where we studied and we looked at where Peter loaned his boat to Jesus for Jesus to be able to preach from it? And after Jesus got through speaking, he gave his boat back to Peter. And then he told Peter and his business partners, go out and cast your nets. Remember, plural? And, G and Peter said, well, Lord, we've been, we've been fishing all night. We haven't caught anything. But nevertheless, because of what you said, I'll let down the net, one. Jesus didn't say net, one. He said nets, plural. So what was the problem? Well, Peter wasn't discerning where, when, and how much his harvest was. And I remember I said this, and I will say this to you. You will never loan anything or put something in Jesus' hands for him to use in ministry to other people that he will not return it back to you better than you loaned it to him in. Isn't that good news? All right, that's just how good our Lord is. So nevertheless, Peter ended up uh, obeying the Lord and went out and put down a net in the water. And the Bible says that when he drew it up, the nets began to break and he had to call people to come out and help him. And my point is this, is that Peter almost missed out on his harvest because he didn't discern when, where, and how much his harvest was going to be. That's because he didn't understand the Lord and so, again, at the end of that story, we found out that Peter went on to become a disciple after that. Now, how do you determine when it's harvest time? Well, a key indicator for harvest time is that there will be joy in your spirit. There will be joy in your spirit. Joy is a spiritual thing, not a, an emotional or natural thing. In other words, you can have joy when you're not happy. Now, I know that sounds weird, but it's possible. You can be joyful on the inside when the circumstances around you do not look good. You know, you can be joyful on the inside even when you have gotten a bad report from the doctor. Why? Because you know the doctor doesn't have the final say. You can have joy on the inside of you when your bank account is telling you you shouldn't be joyful. Why? Because you know your bank account doesn't determine or have the final say. You know, the scripture says we have a report that is better or higher than that one. So 
you, you're going to know that it's harvest time because you're going to sense joy down here in your spirit. We looked at some scriptures last week. Uh, you know, the scripture from 126 Psalm, the 126th Psalm where it says that, the, that they sowed in tears, but they reaped in joy. And you remember I made reference to the old song, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. You've heard it too, okay? So notice you don't bring the sheaves in all sad. You bring the sheaves in joyful, amen? All right, now here's the second thing we said. Make sure your harvest is ready by your worship, your thanksgiving, and your praise. Make sure your harvest is ready by your worship, your thanksgiving, and your praise. What do I mean? Well, you spend some quality time worshiping the Lord, praising the Lord, and thanking the Lord for your harvest. Take some time. I, you know, start, even if it's just a, you know, a couple of minutes a day, just worshiping the Lord. And what that does is, uh, you know, a way for, that it helps me to understand it, that's the same thing as watering your seed. That's the same thing as getting your harvest ready is when you worship the Lord. Amen? All right, so let's move on. Well, let me say this to you. Worship, thanksgiving, and praise help things move along in the Spirit because they are the language of faith. Worship, praise, and thanksgiving are the language of faith. Uh, can I say this to you? It's impossible for you to worship the Lord and stay in doubt and unbelief. Because the only way you can worship God is when you understand how big your God is, how merciful your God is, how loving uh, he is, how much he cares for you, how much he wants to move on your behalf. And that is the foundation of worship. So that brings us to a place of faith. All right, so here's number three. Write this down, please. The third thing that you need to do in reaping your harvest is you need to keep the weeds out of your garden. You need to keep the weeds out of your garden. Now, why is it important to keep the weeds out of your garden? Well, if you have grown any type of garden, uh, you know, especially a vegetable garden, there are certain weeds that if you do not stay on top of them, they will choke out your plants that you're trying to get vegetables off of. And so what you have to do is you have to take, you know, a shovel or spade or uh, a hoe or something and go out and you've got to constantly stay on top of those weeds so that they are not allowed to grow up and injure or damage your harvest in any way. So let's look at a scripture, Genesis chapter two and verse 15. Now the Lord God put the man and the woman and put him in the garden of Eden. So he put him in a garden God created the garden. It was thriving. It was lush. It was green. It was designed to bring forth uh, any type of fruit that, that they needed. It was, it was designed to provide for them. It was designed to bless them. But notice what God told him. He said, and the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and guard and keep it. Now, the man was, was still right before God. The garden was perfect, but yet the man was instructed to tend it, to guard it, and to keep it. Now, let me ask you a question. Why do you think he was told to guard his garden? Keep the serpent out. Okay, well, he dropped the ball there. Because evidently there was going to be someone or something that was going to try and ruin his garden. So God told him, you're going to have to guard it and you're going to have to keep it. You're going to have to protect it. The word keep there in the Hebrew means this, to watch over it, to guard, protect, and safeguard your garden. You're going to have to do the same thing where your harvest is concerned. So when you have sown seed and you have gone and you have sown seed into the furthering of the gospel or you have sown seed to be a blessing to other people and to further the kingdom of God, you're going to have to watch over, you're going to have to guard, and you're going to have to protect your crop. Somebody says, well, what, what do I need to protect it from? Well, weeds can include stuff like this, unforgiveness. Bitterness, 
Strife. Strife is probably one of the biggest killers of your harvest. You want to kill your harvest? Just be mad at people all the time. Okay? No, you're going to have to stay out of strife. We won't take the time to look there, but in, in 2 Timothy, the scripture says, Paul wrote Timothy and he said, you're going to, and this is my paraphrasation, but you're going to have to avoid strife at all costs because those people who get caught up in strife are taken captive by the devil at his will. Strife is a very, very dangerous thing. And you're going to have to make up your mind that you absolutely are not going to fall out of love with people. I'm talking about people that pull in front of you in traffic. I'm talking about people that, that are just ugly to you at, at, at the grocery store or Walmart. Hallelujah. I have to walk in love every time I go to that store. Praise God. All right. And, uh, you know, but you're going to have to make up your mind. I am not getting into strife. I'm not getting into strife with my spouse. I'm not getting into strife with my coworkers. I refuse to fuss. I refuse to argue and fall out with people. Now you can disagree. And that's a, this is an art that we have forgotten in our culture today is how to disagree with someone without being disagreeable. See, if you disagree with someone, you automatically get labeled a hater. And you might not, I mean, you might, might hate them, but you need to judge that. But it could be you just disagree, but you don't hate them. But we've forgotten how to do that in this day. So you're going to have to make sure you do not allow any unforgiveness, bitterness, or strife into your life. The second weed or the second thing that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to pull those weeds up. And how do you do that? You're going to have to pull them up with the words of your mouth. Now, a couple of different ways this works is if you have opportunity to fall out with someone, you're going to have to say out of your mouth, no, in Jesus' name, I am not getting out of love with that individual. When that person pulls in front of you, you're going to have to say, Lord, I forgive them in Jesus' name. Am I helping anybody? Y'all are awfully quiet this morning, all right? I got to talking about weeds and y'all shut up on me. So you pull up the weeds and you cast them out with your words. Now here's another application of this. If you do offend someone, use your words and make it right. Praise you, Jesus. Okay, how do you do that? I messed up. I said the wrong thing. I responded the wrong way. I did whatever it was that I did and I apologize and I ask you to forgive me. Now, once you do that and you mean it in your heart, what their response is, is not your control. Is not your problem. All right? Are you, are you listening to me? Okay, so you're gonna have to guard your harvest and protect your harvest from weeds. Keep the weeds out of your garden. Here's number four. When you sense in your spirit, when you, you have that joy in your spirit that harvest time is approaching, you're going to have to begin to call in your harvest. You're going to have to call in. You're going to use your words to call in your harvest. All right. So how do we do that? Well, let me show you a couple of scriptures. Look at Isaiah chapter 41 in verse 15, and look at what the Lord said. This is reading from the Amplified Bible. <coughs> Excuse me. The Lord said this, Behold, I will make you to be a new, sharp, threshing instrument which has teeth. Now this is probably one of the most unusual scriptures, but I'll help you unravel it. You shall thresh the mountains and beat them small and shall make the hills like chaff. So again, the first part of this says, Behold, I will make you to be a new, sharp, threshing instrument which has teeth. Now what's interesting is the word teeth in the Hebrew, and I didn't put this in your notes, I don't think, but you might want to write this down if I didn't, and that is this. The word teeth means double edged, double edged. 
So here's what the Lord said. He said, I will make you to be a sharp, new, threshing instrument, which is double-edged. Now, this is going to make sense to you in a little bit. Let me explain to you what a threshing instrument is. Uh, anybody ever heard of in the Old Testament where they had threshing floors? <coughs> Excuse me. Well, when they would harvest wheat and they would bring it in, there was an instrument that they would use that they would run over the, the harvested wheat and what this threshing instrument was able to do was to separate the wheat kernel from the chaff and everything else that was unusable. So what God is saying is that in your harvest, I will make you into a harvest instrument that has a double-edged ability, all right? Now, let's look at Isaiah 49 and verse 2. Now, Isaiah, by the Spirit of God, said this, and he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver, he has hidden me. But notice what he said he would make into a sword. What did he say? I will make your mouth into a sword. I'll make your mouth to be a sword. All right? Now, let's, let me show you a New Testament scripture that might help you understand and begin to connect the dots a little bit. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says this, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what is God saying? God is saying, I'm going to make your mouth a double-edged harvesting instrument as you put the word into your mouth. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So how do you begin to call in your harvest? Well, you're going to have to put words in your mouth. Here, let me go to the opposite. Let me show you how not to, to harvest or call in your harvest. Saying words like, I just don't know how, know how we're going to make it. You know, gas is, gas is high. I mean, it's $4 a gallon. I don't know how we're ever going to be able to fill the tank up at $4 a gallon. All right, what you're doing is you're saying words that are contrary to your harvest. What you need to be saying, put the word in your mouth, the two-edged sword in your mouth, make your mouth a double-edged harvesting instrument by saying things like, Lord, I know what gas prices are, but I thank you that I'm a tither, I'm a giver, and I have a harvest coming in, and you supply every single one of my needs in Jesus' name. That's how you begin to call in your harvest. And when you sense in your spirit that it's harvest time, when you have that joy rise up in your spirit that harvest time is here, then you need to be spending some time. You know, what I do is, is in my apartment, I walk and I pray. You know, if, as I spend time in prayer, I, I very rarely do I sit behind my desk. I usually get up and, and walk and, and do laps around my apartment while I'm praying. But I'll, I'll just spend time praying. Lord, thank you for my harvest. It's coming in. Thank you that the scripture says you are the Lord of the harvest. And Father, I thank you and I praise you that you multiply my resources for sowing. And I have a harvest coming in, Lord. Now, I may ha not have the first clue as to where that harvest is coming from in the natural. But I know it's coming. I know it's mine. I know it belongs to me because the word of God has declared it. So here's what, what I'm telling you. You're going to have to stop talking poverty if you're wanting to walk in God's abundance, okay? And I know it's tempting. I know it's hard, especially with, you know, the way some things are in the economy right now, but the economy has nothing to do with God's provision for you. Absolutely nothing. And I know that's hard for us to wrap our brains around, all right? Are you still here? You gone home. 
All right. So let me take a little side journey for a moment before I give you principle number five, and that is this, okay? Write this down. You will find that the Bible teaches in principles and precepts. Principles and precepts. There's a little bit of difference between principles and precepts, but you, this is how the Bible teaches us. So let me give you a couple of definitions here. A principle is this. A principle is a fundamental truth that serves as the foundation for your system of belief or your behavior or for your reasoning, okay? So uh, principles from the Word of God are what, what give us the parameters and boundaries for our behaviors. They give us the truths that we incorporate into our lives and they become the foundation for our belief system. You know, the principle of, of sowing and reaping, as we're talking about, it's actually a law, spiritual law, but it becomes the foundation of what we believe. You know, the principle of salvation from the Word of God is, is what our entire life and relationship with Jesus is all about and what Jesus did for us. So those are principles. Here's a precept. A precept is a general rule to regulate behavior. It's not something that is necessarily a foundational thing, but it is, um, would be like the, the uh, bumper, or not bumper guards, but what, guardrails on the highway. You know, especially over a bridge. You ever notice they put guardrails on bridges? Because they don't want you driving off of them, okay? So what they do is they put guardrails on there so in case you lost your way a little bit, you'll bump up against this guardrail. Well, precepts are the guardrails for our lives. They're, they are what keep us, if you pardon the expression, keep us in our lane, pursuing after what, what is God's will for our lives. Now, let me show you this from the Word of God. Look at Isaiah 28, verses 9 and 10. Isaiah 28, verses 9 and 10. This is how the Bible teaches. Whom will he teach knowledge... And whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk or those just drawn from the breast? No. Verse 10, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Now, what does this mean? It sounds like an Old Testament riddle. It's not. What, what Isaiah is telling us by the Spirit of God is this is how God is going to teach us. He is going to build one truth on top of another, on top of another, on top of another, so that throughout your Christian life, as you are learning to walk with God, he teaches you precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Now, I have been a, a Christian for 45 years. In December, it'll be 45 years. And what I have noticed in my Christian walk is that I did not learn everything there is to know spiritually within the week of me getting saved. Did anybody here experience that? If you did, please pray for me, all right? I did not experience that. I have learned a lot over the last 45 years, and it's been one thing on top of another, on top of another, on top of another. In other words, the Lord builds into our lives these precepts and these principles. He doesn't just pour it into our lives all at one time. And I'm, I'm thankful for that because here's why. We couldn't handle it if he did. Nor could we align our lives with it if he did. Because here's how good God is. If he shows you something from the word of God, a principle that you need to incorporate in your life, he is so good and patient with us that he will give you time to, to first of all, get it through our thick skulls and into our hearts and then give us time to incorporate it into our lives. Uh, you know, there are things that the Lord uh, has dealt with me on and he's so good, he doesn't give me 24 hours to get it right. How about you? Okay. No, he works with us. He, he brings that precept into our lives and he works with us and works with us. That's what it means when it says line upon line, here a little, there a little. 
I heard maybe it was Bishop Jakes or somebody say, the Christian life is nothing but a series of adjustments where, you know, we're walking with the Lord and it's just little tweaks and adjustments. There's nothing um, that I can really say that I can recall at the moment in my Christian walk where there have been just huge adjustments. It's been very, very minor things, but here's what you need to understand. Small things make a big difference, okay? And so what this is how God teaches us. This is how he brings his truth into our lives. Now, that being said, look at this point. Just implementing precepts or principles in your life will not always generate the results that you desire. Now, what do I mean by that? Because God, in his wisdom, saw fit to send a portion of himself into the earth to live on the inside of us when we got born again. His name is the Holy Spirit. And if you try, and I'm going to say this to you, and, it's, it, and, and I hope you get it when I say it. If you try and orient yourself by the written word of God only, your life will not be totally fulfilled like God wants it to be fulfilled. What do I mean by that? You need the help of the Holy Spirit to make this become alive on the inside of you. That's why the scripture Paul wrote and he said, for it's the letter that kills, but it's the spirit that gives life. Can I say it to you this way? If all I did was preach truth to you and I didn't have the love of God behind it, all I'm going to do is put you in bondage. Okay? So we need both. We need the precepts and the principles, but we also need the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us in those precepts and principles. Now, are, are you tracking with me so far? All right, so write this down, please. So as we're navigating and we're, and we're talking about reaping our harvest, then what we're going to need is a plan or strategy that is specifically designed by God for us. You need a strategy. So here's what I mean. If I just taught you precepts and principles and then told you how they applied to my life and you took them and tried to apply them to your life the same way they're applied to my life, it's not going to work. Why? Because the Holy Spirit deals with me different than he deals with you. He knows your personality he knows your past. He knows your mindset. He knows everything about you. So the, the, the thing that we have to be mindful about is when we hear preachers and people say, okay, this is what happened in my life and I did this, you can't just in a cookie cutter approach take whatever this was and you do it and expect the same results. Here's why. Because the strategy that God gave them may not be the strategy you need. Okay? Let me, let me elaborate on this a little bit further. All right? Let me show you a couple of scriptures first. Look at, here's a favorite scripture of mine. I know it's probably a favorite of yours. Jeremiah 29, 11. The Lord said this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So how many of you know God has a plan for your life? How many of you know it's a specific plan for your life? Now, here's what I mean and where, where I'm going with this is if you try to apply to your life the plan that God has for me, you're not going to live a fulfilled life fulfilling the will, plan, and purpose of God for you. Right? Okay. All right. Now, what is a strategy? So we need a strategy from God. A strategy is a plan. It's a method. It's a series of maneuvers for obtaining a specific goal or result. So in other words, a plan would be this. Uh, 
I have a plan to drive home after church and we get done. But the strategy might be, I might need to stop at the store first on my way home. So what I have to do is I have to take some steps that are outside maybe of the direct path home and follow that strategy to obtain whatever it is that I need from the store. So there's a strategy that you need from heaven. All right, so I'm, here's what I want to do. I want to take Jeremiah 29, 11 again. I want to substitute the word strategy for the word plan. Look at this. For I know the strategies I have for you, declares the Lord. Strategies to prosper you and not to harm you. Strategies to give you a hope and a future. So why in the world am I telling you this? Because in reaping your harvest, you need a specific strategy to reap for your life. You're not going to reap the same way I reap. Why? Because our lives are different. You have different occupations. You have different, fam you know, what, a, a myriad of circumstances are going to be different. So you need a strategy that is custom made for you. And guess what? God has one for you. A strategy that is specific for you and your household and wherever you are in your walk with the Lord. He has a strategy for you. Now here's what my job is as a pastor, is to tell you what the word says, tell you what the results are that you can get from the word but I also must tell you, it's up to you to spend time with God so that you can find out the specific strategy and plan that he has for your life. I can't tell you that. I wish I could. I wish I could stand up here and I could call everybody by name and say, here's what Kathy's strategy is for life. Here's what Eva needs to do. I can't do it. All I can tell you are the general precepts and principles from the word of God, but the specific strategy for your life, you are going to have to find that out from heaven for yourself. And my job is to do everything I can to facilitate that. But see, here's what we want to have happen. I want to go to church and I want the pastor to get up there and tell me exactly what I need to do in my life in order for my life to be different. I can tell you in generalities what you need to do, but the specific steps that you need to walk out, you're going to have to get that from God yourself. Am I making sense to you? Okay, so why is this important in reaping your harvest? Because there is a strategy that God wants to give you in reaping your harvest that may be different than the strategy he gives me. You know, my, the strategy he lays upon my heart might be, um, you know, for me to develop a side business. You know, and it might be, uh, well, I'll just use something that uh, I have done in the past, and, and that is I have worked in software and IT stuff. So God may give me a strategy in order to bring in my harvest to do some work for somebody along that line. Well, guess what? If you've never worked in IT or never written a piece of software in your life, God ain't going to give you that strategy. Why? Because you can't do it. And so for me to stand up here and say, this is the way God will do it for me and for you, will not work for you. But what I can tell you is, if you sow, you will reap, and God will provide and multiply your resources for sowing. That's the precept. That's the principle. But I can't tell you the exact strategy. You're going to have to get that from heaven for yourself. Okay? Uh, am I making that clear? I don't want to leave anybody confused. Now, again, we're building on things here. So here's, here's what I want to give you. Here's the next thing. So write this down, please. Very often... God will not use the same strategy when facing the same need. So let's say 
Let me just use an example. And since we're talking about sowing and reaping, let's say you have a financial need and God gives you a strategy this month for how to address that financial need. And he provides for you through that strategy. And you're excited and you're happy and you're thankful and, and you're, you're glad and you're, you know, you're praising God and all of that, all right? Here's what the tendency is for us to do is three months down the road when I have another financial need is we revert back to what we did three months earlier and do the same thing. And unfortunately, it doesn't end up with the same results. Why? Because you're going to have to use a different strategy to address that new need. Now, why does God do that? Why, does he, why doesn't he make everything cookie cutter? Where we could predict, okay, if I have a need, this is what I did last time. Now, in general, you, you, generalities, you're going to have to stay in faith. You're going to have to speak the word of God. You're going to have to praise and thank God. Those are the precepts and the principles. But the strategy is going to be different. And when we try and incorporate what we did earlier or last time, it doesn't work for us. And we're going, God, why? I know your word is true. I know your word didn't lie. Why didn't it work for me? Because you did not get the new strategy that he had for you. Now, why does he do it that way? So that you and I will spend time with him to find out his mind on the matter. See, if you could just do what you did last time, you don't need God. And God's never going to put you in a position where you don't need him. Okay, let me show you. Uh, look at 2 Samuel. I'm going to tie this in real quick. 2 Samuel, and uh, this is a scripture where David and his uh, 600 men had dealt with Saul. And so now they're dealing with the Philistines. And it says, now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel... All the Philistines went up to search for David and David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. Verse 18, the Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal Perazim and David defeated them there, and he said, the Lord has broken through. This is where we get the scripture, the Lord of the breakthrough. The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal Perazim, and they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. So here's the need. David faced a need. He had this enemy that was coming against him. He went and sought the Lord. Lord, what do I do? The Lord said, go ahead and go after them and I will deliver them into your hand. David did it. He won and they had a great victory. Okay. So look at what happened next. Verse 22. Then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. The same place, same enemy, same uh, need. All right, and look what happened. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord and, and God said, don't go up this time. What God? That's what I did last time. And last time it worked. Why don't I do the same thing? You gave me a great victory before. And God said, nope, don't go up this time. Look at what he said. Circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. What is this? This is a strategy. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees that you shall advance quickly. For then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him. And he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. So what happened? Two needs exactly identical. Facing the same enemy, facing the same situation, facing the same place. David, here's the key. David inquired of the Lord in both of them. The first one, Dave, uh, the Lord told David, go up and I'll deliver them into your hand. David did it, got a great victory. The second time it happened, David inquired of the Lord and the Lord said, don't go up this time. 
Here's what's going to happen. Circle around and hide in the woods, and what's going to happen is I'm going to rustle the leaves in the trees, and it's going to sound like to the uh, Philistines like a great army, and it's going to cause great confusion, and you're going to be able to walk in and just get the victory that way. Same problem, same need, two different strategies. Why didn't God just do it the same both ways? Is he still God? Did he do it the first time? Yeah, he did it the first time. But he didn't want David to do it that way the second time. And so here's my point. You're always going to have to get a strategy in your life. Now listen, this isn't always just about sowing and reaping. You need strategies for every area of your life. Am I helping anybody? Okay. So that all being said, all right, here's number five. Always remember God is your source and he has a strategy to get supply or harvest to you. You know, one of these days, and I'm just going to speak for myself. I'm not even going to speak on y'all's behalf. One of these days, I'm going to get it through my thick head that God's smarter than me. And he's got it all figured out. He knows the end from the beginning. He looks down on it from a heavenly viewpoint, sees the whole picture. I only see little bits and pieces. But here's the thing. I got to understand he is smarter than I and knows what needs to happen in this specific situation. All right? So you're going to have to remember God is your source and he has a strategy to get supply or harvest to you. Now, I want to say this to you. Look at me for just a moment. God is not limited to your paycheck. Stop limiting God to the company that you work for. Thank God for your job. Thank God for them as a source of income. But they are not your source. And, and I, this is a hard thing to do, okay, but to, yes, you work a job, you give it 100%, you do your very best, but they are not your source. That's why, can I say this, a little side note, this is free, won't cost you anything. Okay, that's why you need to treat your job as an assignment, not as your source. In other words, I, if I have my eyes on God as my source and God tells me to go hand out stickers at the front door of Walmart, God will take care of me. And when I'm accustomed to making X number of dollars, God will make sure that, that that's what my income is, even if I work for minimum wage at Walmart. Why? Because that's my assignment. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> Philippians 4.19 in the Bible in basic English, and my God will give you all you have need of from the wealth of his glory in Christ Jesus. God will take care of you. So don't try and figure out how God is going to meet your needs or provide your harvest. He's not limited to one channel or one way to get it across to you. Okay. Now I want to show you one last scripture and I'm going to prove this point out to you. All right. Look at Matthew 17 verses 24 through 27. Jesus and the disciples, when they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? Peter responded and said, yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes from their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers. Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, Go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. Now, I would say that's an unusual strategy, wouldn't you? And listen, 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 listen. Don't you go fishing this afternoon looking for your tax money. <laughs> Unless... The master tells you to, okay? <laughs> but see, that's what I'm talking about. What we do is we see stuff, patterns like this in the Bible, so we try and incorporate the same pattern and we don't get the same results. Why? Because that was a specific strategy for Peter. 
All right? Now, here's what's cool about this. In that scripture, when it says, and when you have opened his mouth, you will find a piece of money. That phrase, piece of money, in the Greek is the Greek word stator, which was the exact amount to pay the tax for two people. The exact amount. Not one penny more, not one penny less, enough to pay the taxes for Peter and Jesus. Now, I want you to think this through with me for just a second. Peter was a successful businessman before he started following Jesus. He knew what he needed to do if he needed additional income for his house. He had to go work. So he very well could have been thinking, well, you know, the tax time, we're coming up on April the 15th. I got to pay my taxes, so I'm going to have to go and fish a little bit to make some income. And, and so Jesus had a different strategy for him. So Jesus tells him, go and cast a line into the water. The first fish you catch, open its mouth, and there will be a coin there that will be perfect for paying your taxes and mine. Now, here's my point, and that is this. Jesus has a strategy on how to take care of you. Jesus has a strategy on how you reap your harvest. What we have to do, and I know we like the quick way out, but what we're going to have to do is put in a little bit of effort and a little bit of time to seek the Lord and find out what the strategy is for our lives. Uh, have I helped you today? Okay, so in reaping your harvest, get the strategy from heaven. Don't do what I do. Okay, I know that sounds weird because I'm supposed to be an example for you, but you know what I mean. Okay, don't follow my exact pattern in how the Lord brings increase into my life. Do what God tells you to do. The principle will be the same because God's word doesn't lie, but follow the strategy that he gives you. And so as you spend time in prayer, you spend time seeking the Lord, here's what I know. God will give you a strategy. Remember Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the strategies that I have for you, strategies to prosper you and not to harm you, strategies to give you a hope and a future. Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.